0: Circle of Birth podcasts, reclaiming our birth potential with ancient wisdom and stories from birth and beyond, sharing the rich spectrum of family diversity and transformation, stories worldwide bringing together community and connectivity, come together with story medicine and inspire at our unique birth journeys, we breathe, we birth, we become. Welcome to episode forty three. So let's go on a journey here. Another beautiful stories of birth. This time told from the words of a mother that has encompassed her work and life with the gifts that each child has brought her. Meet Julia. She's a specialist in the body from a background of an autonomist to now working with women in pelvic mapping and Maya abdominal therapy. We head on an interesting journey here and learn extensively about what each birth can teach us and how we can embrace the journey and find ways to support others, especially in our blooming mother path. Julia was an absolute delight to listen to. Her voice resonated a divine message of wisdom and she spoke her stories to show the intrinsic and intuitive nature of us as human beings. So find a nice cover for this episode and snuggle into some wellness feel-good podcasting. On another note, I'll be at the Home Birth Conference, which will be on the 4th and the 5th, full moon November. So come and talk to me and say hi. Tell me why you're there. Gift me a story and tell me what you're learning. I can't wait to see you there and I'm so excited to be at this conference. Enjoy the show. Hi, Julia. Uh, welcome so much to the Circle of Birth. I am deeply honoured to have you here in your presence. I found you from one of your beautiful articles that I read in a magazine and I would love to talk to you about you and the work that you're doing and your birth journey. So, big welcome to you.
1: Thanks, Sally. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> so, one of the first things I was really intrigued about was after reading your bio on your website, nurturedwomb.com.au. Is that right? Yes, that's yeah, right. I yeah. always wonder if it's just .com or .com.au. Uh, so, The Nurtured Womb, which is a beautiful website, and I was reading your bio the other day and just seeing how you began a course in Reiki as a teenager, and I was just wondering how the teenage mind found and stumbled across Reiki. I think that was quite interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was um I was always a very 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 sensitive, extremely sensitive child, and very in tune to other people's moods, their emotions, their energy. And I think um I was going through quite a hard time as a teenager, just with some high school things going on, and my um, Actually, a family member, my uncle, introduced me to someone who was doing Reiki, and it just felt so right to follow down that path. Um, and just, I guess, the idea that I could also put my hands on my on my body and calm myself and give healing to myself, but also being able to provide that for people, just it was just like a, it was just a calling really for me mm-hmm. at the time. I can imagine yeah. that too,
0: for you know teenagers teenage years are so tough with hormones and your environment and everything that's going on that would have been just perfect
1: to heal that anxiety during that time oh yeah i think it gave me um, a deep sense of um, calm like i could really tap into that and feel the calm in my own body and i think when i stand even now and i work with women no matter what's been going on in my life i always bring I always ground and bring a lot of protection into the room before I work and I can go into a different zone I guess when I'm when I'm working and leave everything else behind and just have that beautiful channel Um, and that's what I still hold very dear to the when I work now nowadays Mm. and your bachelor of
0: science and then you majored in anatomy and physiology did you do that pre-children?
1: I uh, that's interesting actually. I um I did my first year of science, my science degree and then I met my partner at the end of that year and fell pregnant in my second year at the beginning oh, yeah. of my second year of uni. So I then did, um, I finished my degree with my first child, our first child um, and so that was a very interesting journey in itself. I think I became incredibly focused and incredibly driven. I knew I only had Little pockets of time when she slept to study, so um, I used my time very, very well.
0: <laughs> mm, especially science too. It's not like you know, <laughs> flowy yeah. sort of anything else. It's quite no, um,
1: yeah. And it was such a fascination um, with the with the body and how it works, and and um, I just found it so fascinating. So we did a lot of wet anatomy in the subjects that I did as well, and just dissecting and having a look at how. Um, everything looks, I guess, inside the body was just so fascinating to me. Um, It gives a lot more of a depth than just studying in papers and through books.
0: Mm, I found that too, actually, with the anatomy and physiology, is just really connecting um, with that human structure and finding that fascination when you actually can physically, in 3D, see something and look at it and marvel at it.
1: Um, Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. and there's always the utmost respect when you're um, handling the bodies too, which is, um, there's almost,
0: yeah. I could imagine that you would probably, in your work that you're doing now, know quite the ins and outs of the human structure quite well and be able to bring that essence into your work and that love and that respect.
1: Yeah, it does really help. I think having that basis before, and I didn't have any idea of the work I'd be doing when I did that course. I was just drawn to do it. And I, I guess through my life I have followed um My path or my callings and what I'm attracted to, and it just seems to be leading to where I am now. And I guess that's a lot um, often the story with people when you just follow what opens up for you.
0: Yeah, and your passion. Of yeah, yeah, so try and control it. Let it, yeah, let it, you know, it's sort of predetermined in a way. It's just the way we go about it and f- follow that path which leads us into it. That's right. Yeah. So, let's, can we talk about? You becoming a mother made into motherhood. Um, <laughs> so you're
1: at uni. You met your partner. Did you meet your
0: partner at uni? Were you
1: like? Uh, no, he he lived. Um, he actually, I was living in Glebe at the time in Sydney, and he lived down the road from me. Ah. So I met him just before the my first year exams. Yeah. Fell madly in love oh, did you, did, <laughs> straight how away. Did, how did you meet? Like, did you? How, he was a friend of one of my flatmates. Okay. So yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He came that way, and um, it was we were only together four months, and I fell pregnant with our eldest child. So that oh. was very quick. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> how old were you then at the time?
1: Um, 24. Okay. I was and 24.
0: Yeah. So what was that like? I guess that journey. Can you walk us through the the
1: pregnancy? Yeah. And then
0: it leading was into
1: very. Yeah. It was very different. Um. It. I know a lot of people birthed at a lot younger age than that, but for us in our circle of friends, we were the only people who um, were having a baby. So in some ways, um, I didn't feel, I guess, as connected or something was changing in my energy and my body and, and I'd found it a little bit harder to relate to other people at the time. Um, there's so many, I guess, internal changes physically, um, energetically, emotionally that go on when you are pregnant and to be experiencing that. And I wasn't too sure really what I was experiencing at the same time because it was my first um, baby. I just knew that there were so many changes going on. So that was, um, yeah, that was yeah. that was interesting through that. We went to a birth centre and that was what um, I felt really called to do. And looking back now in hindsight, I can see the very, I know the very, very second that my whole body um, the base of my body shut down and seized and constricted and closed. And I think at that point, I don't think I was, for her, I was ever going to be able to birth vaginally.
0: Was that during the labour that you felt that? No,
1: this was this was um, during the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I went, I think I saw some photos or uh, I think I saw some photos at the birth centre and I actually felt my body close.
0: Mm. So with the work that you do now, can you... Make any correlations to um, the shutting down process and what that could I have think, meant for you?
1: Yeah, I think I went to um, in I went to shock. I think before that there'd been almost this. I'd always known I'd wanted to be a mother, and there'd been almost this fantasy of you have a baby, um, you know, you get pregnant, have a baby. But I hadn't. I don't think I'd really felt what that was going to feel like in my body whereas when I had this baby growing in my body and I knew that there was some way she had to come out I don't know that I had actually put the process I know that sounds ridiculous but I don't think i would thought through the process that I was going to have to open up so much like my cervix was going to have to dilate and I was going to have to open and release and let go that much to be able to bring a baby through.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that's silly at all. I think that's for uh, many women coming into their motherhood is not just opening up physically with the cervix, but that womb energy and opening up yeah. yourself to motherhood. Um, yeah, and I,
1: I definitely wasn't ready. Um, I just, de- I just, you know, in hindsight, I can really see I, where I was at that stage in my life and I was just so um, fearful.
0: Mm. And so could you navigate us through the labour a bit? Did you go into labour at the birth centre and get transferred or how did that... No. Sort of
1: so what happened was I was going to this birth centre and then um, I think around 36 weeks or something um, I had a an appointment and there was actually a student midwife and they were feeling and saying, oh, you know, her head was down and her, that was her bottom and... Stuff. And this student midwife said no. I think that's her head up there. She was her head was up under my right hand um, side, under my ribs there, and um, so they sent me for a scan to check, and that was right. So she was in the breech position, um, and so they kind of just carted me on, to be honest, and I felt really um, abandoned by that process. Um, I'd felt really at home and comfortable with the birth centre and who I'd been seeing and the women I'd been seeing there and it was easing a little bit of my anxiety and then suddenly that was ripped away and I was about to birth. I was um, shoved into the hospital system, having to wait in these really clinical rooms and I felt like a sheep. I felt like it was just like a number. Actually, That was my feeling. I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, but that was the feeling that I had um, in this, so then um, I started having some contractions. So they, with um, a planned seizure, I guess they put you through before your due date. So she was um, scheduled in for a C-section. And um, I turned up and I was very, very nervous. And so they you know, give you the epidural and I was awake during the procedure. So you can actually feel yourself being rocked and pulled, but you just don't have the pain. And then she was lifted up, you know, over those green sheets. And I looked at her and she was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. But I had that, um, there was almost, I I couldn't make that connection that she'd come out of me. I I couldn't quite get my head around that she'd come out of me. I hadn't seen that process. I'd been, you know, I had no feeling and this sheet was there. So suddenly this baby was pulled from the other side of the sheet and it was a little bit... I just couldn't quite make that um, connection. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And did that come
0: to you after or you felt that
1: immediately? With her, I felt the connection immediately and we're still very, very close. Um, But just the fact that my body had gone this baby and then here she was, that part of the process, I couldn't quite get my head around, Mm -hmm. I think.
0: So just... Uh, to backtrack yeah. a bit, growing up, what was your experience of birth with your family or your birth or how, did you you know, did you have a lot of um, birth around you or what, what, what was your
1: thoughts on birth being that 24-year-old girl? Uh, yeah. So I think my mum was a, a young mum. I think I may have been born around when she was 24-ish actually um, and I'm the second child so I've got an older sister and a younger brother. And mum was just very um, easy going around birth. She said with me she um, thought she might have had slight indigestion and she went to, because I was early, I think I was about 10 days early or two weeks early, and she thought she had indigestion, went to the hospital and they said no. The man, the obstetrician said, no, 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 you you know, you can go home. And he left because I think he wanted, I think mum said he wanted to go to a golf game or something like that. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, shortly after they rang and I was born within hours, I think. Um, So my mum's pretty, um, I guess, gives birth pretty easily. (laughs) but I I found out she's funny after the birth of my fourth son that which we'll speak to I started having gallbladder attacks and now I could never quite work out why my mum said she didn't quite know she was in labour but now after having gallbladder attacks just after I gave birth I know it's really this the the pain that you feel in them makes birth not really feel like
0: much Oh, I bet, yeah. yeah. Not that I'm speaking from experience, um, although I did do a gallbladder cleanse a yeah. long ago. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I could, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so because she'd had that experience, I think when it came to birth and the contractions, it wasn't, didn't feel as maybe as strong as it might have um, otherwise.
0: Yeah, and so did you go into that, I guess, understanding that from birth, that, um, you know it is what it is or did you have were you sort of carrying something
1: maybe that you weren't sure about in that? I think with the birth, I, I don't think so much, I, I don't think so much with the birthing from lineage things, I don't think I was carrying that too too much. Um, my mum had a lot of younger brothers, she's got six younger brothers and so they were all having children when I was uh, my uncles were all having children when I was sort of over 12 and so I remember I used to um, and a lot of actually my aunts had home births for mm-hmm. their kids yeah. so it wasn't a, that wasn't a new thing in our family at all um, and one of my aunts is a midwife too so it was all very natural so birth was quite a natural thing growing up it's just um, I think it was my own it, talking back about my the first, child that I had I don't looking back I don't know how much time I ever spent in my body and I think then knowing that I had to really ground and be in my body when I birthed looking back I can see now that's what was triggering me mm. but I didn't know that at the time
0: yeah and then looking into that sort of thought you know that we have the birth to teach us um, the lessons and the gifts Essentially, yeah, of yeah. motherhood that, that yeah. with all the body work that you do now and going within um, and offering that healing scope, and then with yourself, that sounds quite interesting, doesn't it? To yeah, say,
1: very. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I've had, um, I've got four gorgeous kids. <laughs> so my eldest is about to turn 17. So that was a while back mm. um, now. But I've actually, if I was thinking um, when you asked to interview me about all the different births and the way of my journey. Um, and what each of them taught me and how I journeyed and became the person I am through each of those births. And I, I do know a baby does choose the way that they want to come as well. So just, so again, going back to my eldest, she was um, a breech baby. And so I had, um, you know, when they try and turn the baby, they did try to turn her and she would not budge. And even now, that's very much part of who she is. <laughs> she, she, she's quite stubborn and she knows what she wants and when she wants it and she's very much sticks
0: to that <laughs> i love that i love that yeah yeah i'm just i'm such a firm believer in that our children the way that they decide to come like you said um shows yeah. us many things too about them that we can learn <laughs> from them
1: yeah yeah Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, she birthed, having the first always births you into being a mother, becoming a mother, which is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And I do actually feel the more I'm working with women, I guess I work with a lot of women in fertility as well and who are really wanting a baby and um, I sit in that space a lot with women and I do feel that there needs to be some more um, support for women after they birth because when, you know, when, when you're carrying the baby, it's all like, oh, wow, I'm pregnant and it's all, I guess, um, there is a little bit of fantasy about it. There's You don't really know what's going to happen once the baby's been born and often when a baby is born, your lineage pa- patterns plus your partner or the father's lineage patterns come into play. So you've got a lot of that going on while you're trying to adjust to being a new parent and... Having that whole energy come into play as well, so there's a lot of often intensity, um, as well as the sleepless nights that can that can come. And I think I actually am feeling more really quite strongly that women need a lot more support, or parents, new parents need a lot more support um, in that stage. So I know usually you get that to be six weeks postpartum, but I mean after that, or even preparation during and that's being spoken to and explored during the birth a bit more sorry yeah. during the pregnancy, pregnancy more
0: yeah, yeah. I, this has been coming up a lot for me and, and especially in my own doulaing work is and the, i'm finding like i'm just talking to people and we're really emphasizing the importance especially for first-time mothers yes the importance of that time that next part of because it's still birth i feel like it's still birth you're birthing so many things <laughs> with yeah. lo- with those sleepless nights and adjusting if you choose to breastfeed and adjusting to feeding or even if you're not you're still feeding and schedules and you're nurturing and you're turning into like responsibility and a commitment and all these different levels that you have to like crack open these shells for and if you're not yeah. supported and you feel alone and you feel isolated and you feel fear and you feel anxious and you're making decisions based on those emotions you know if you've got a partner that's probably not supporting but not really understanding what to do and wanting to help yeah it i just tricky. think it's, yeah, it gets tricky and i just think it's so important to love those people and nurture that time period because sometimes it feels like you have a baby and then everyone disappears after six weeks because all the excitements yeah. and cuddles are finished and then you're left that alone and then you, that's when stuff can start really triggering and coming up so, yeah, That's I agree. Right.
1: And, and something that I think I commonly see as well is the level of self-care a woman can give herself after she um, births. And often, going back to lineage patterns again, often it's what we see from um, our mothers or our grandmothers or the, the women um, who were in our lives. So I'll give an example. Before, um, I think I was you know more okay with self-care probably before I had children. But then... As soon as I had children as soon as yeah as soon as I had children, I think I've always put myself um put them first and run myself into the ground a bit more, which is what I watched my mother do and what I watched my grandmother do too. It was almost like you had to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going until you physically could not move anymore and it was only then you could take time for yourself and I watched this in me and I thought no that's time to stop I've got three daughters I'm not going to pass that on to them so I'm trying to do that a lot more with self-care now but it's something that I think I could say that I see in about 95 percent of um, new mothers
0: as well. I mean this is why birth workers are so great people that can work with the body work with the emotions and work with that coming from their own journeys and really guiding someone to understanding that this could be a thing and to just love that person when they birth and nurture them and just treat them like a goddess and the partner like such an important person that's just created this child too and how amazing they are and that love giving that
1: love to them and yeah yeah and that continued i guess that continued support as, as the time goes on as well yeah exactly yeah
0: so after your first birth with your daughter, yes. who's nearly seventeen, yes. yeah, uh, congratulations! And crazy. <laughs> yeah, and so how how long till you had your next birth experience and sort of take so us through mothering at that point? And
1: yeah, well, I finished my um, my degree. So after my eldest was born, I I actually because she was due at exam time in my second year exam time, I um, I actually was seeing someone at the time who did NET, which is neuroemotional work, and he said to me, your baby's really stressed. You need to um, stop. And so I stopped with the exams and I um, put them off till actually just only six weeks till after she was born, but I I had to stop at the time because she was picking up on my anxiety. So I did my exams um, just after when she was six weeks old. I finished my second year exams and continued to study and would just rock her or hold her and so I found that it was quite an intense period of time and then I also had to try and work to pay for daycare so when I could go to um, the bit of uni that I was doing part-time too so it was a very intense very very intense time so then after I finished my degree we went traveling actually we packed up everything and went in our caravan and had a little puppy for our eldest who was then three and we went travelling for a while, and then it wasn't till I think my second uh, second child was born. Uh, sorry, conceived around her fifth birthday, so she was born um, when my eldest started kindy. Ah, so how so long did the, you do the travelling for? With the puppy, <laughs> um, oh, it was so fun. Um, we sort of travelled. Let me see. It was a uh, it was a few years, really. Yeah, we went up and down the coast um, of the eastern coast of Australia, and then we lived in uh, we lived in northern New South Wales for a while, where we live again now, and we lived in Bellingham for a while. We also travelled down, um, right down to near Phillip Island, and then back up, and um, and then actually we made the trip when I was pregnant with my second up to Port Douglas, which is where we stayed then for about five and a half years, and she was born up there.
0: Right, and so, so that's, yeah, so your oldest now was starting kindy at the time, so she was about yeah. five. Yeah, and so walk us through that sort of journey of pregnancy into birth.
1: I was going to say, it's actually interesting. It took us a really long time to learn how to relax after being so intensely busy for a long time. When we were travelling, we had to um, actually really put effort into trying to relax. Because we were so used to go go going all the time, <laughs> so and then we really got into it, and really loved it. So but your
0: partner had a bit of a intense work life too that yeah. before you left. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So so that was um, that was really lovely, and we just left and did market stalls actually um, up That's and down so the awesome. coast. I love that. <laughs> oh, it was so fun. It yeah. really was fun, and um, and then I think I was about I think I was about. 34 weeks, something like that. When we moved to Port Douglas, we didn't. Um, were in the caravan still. It was getting a little bit awkward to navigate around me because <laughs> I was getting so big. kept bumping um, into I, the kitchen table on the Yeah. <laughs> <kind> of, yeah. <laughs> and um, I hadn't even known where I was going to birth till just before, and we got a house, and I think we were sitting on milk crates, like, like waiting for our furniture to be delivered right up until when um, I birthed, which was interesting. Um, but she was a breech baby. She was breech as well. And so um, I was scheduled for another C-section and she was born in Cairns-based um, hospital. The difference, I guess, with that birth, so they were both C-sections. With my eldest, when she was born, um, they she went with my partner um, while I went into recovery and I found that space really, really hard. Like she was just... She came out of me, she'd been with me for nine months and then we were separated and I found that really challenging um, and I was quite grief-stricken really about that. With the second one, we had a a C-section but she was placed with me, had skin-to-skin contact and breastfed in recovery, so she stayed with me. So that was sort of a different experience then in having, um, I guess there felt like there was uh, um, more space I guess created for us to bond in that time
0: and was that you directing that too like asking for those things or was that just more of a
1: no I think it was just the way it was it was the way it was done there Yeah, Um, great yeah Yeah. it was done there so that was um yeah that was and going from one to two was you know a journey in itself as well when but given the gap, I kind of felt like, you know, there was a bit more of a rhythm rather than having two more kids at the time.
0: Yeah, so we've pretty much similar story. Um, oh, really? Well, in a way, not like similar, but in a sort of way that I was my first born and I was finishing uni. Yeah. And then my second born was five years later and Malin oh, was wow. going into kindy. Yeah. <laughs> and I I do remember that feeling of going, oh, this is all right because I still... Because when he goes to kindy in the day, I had that home time where I still felt like, yeah. you know, you could do the bonding and all that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is beautiful. It's beautiful to have that special time with some. Yeah, with all and, of then, them.
0: and then he would come home, and I'd be like, oh, you know, it'd be all exciting, and then I could ask him to get things, and <laughs> he could do it. Like he was pretty well self structured. He could dress himself. Um, get food out the fridge if he needed to, and I'd be like, "Oh, can you go grab that nappy or get that or blah 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 blah." He was quite happy yeah. to do those things, which he still is. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, and it really does help. It does make a difference, I yeah. think. Yeah, and so
0: life became busy for you too, essentially. After yeah,
1: um, life was um, life was busy. My um, we were my partner started working um, for an events company up there, so he was actually away a lot. So I had the to, um kids by myself a lot we didn't have, we didn't really know anyone up there and we didn't have family but when we did markets I guess I started to get to know people so we um, started to form a little bit of a community up there which was lovely.
0: What did you sell at the markets?
1: Natural skincare. care. Oh. So yeah before it was kind of everywhere that you look it wasn't um, I guess you didn't see, tend to see it at markets so much at that time so we used to make that and sell it there which was um, yeah, it was great. It just gave us the money that we needed to pay our bills and our rent and then, you know, we were pretty flexible. And, yeah. and then I continued making all the products while my partner was working then. So it was I could kind of do that around having the small kids.
0: And so just in terms of recovery for both your caesareans, did you find yeah. the second one was a bit easier to heal um, emotionally and physically?
1: I think I'm, because I knew what was happening, it was um, it was a lot easier because I knew what was going to happen. The first time I had no idea what was going to happen. It was all a first experience, and and um, yeah, I just had no idea what what it was going to feel like or anything like that. And I found you know you can't laugh because it hurts, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and you can't walk, you can't bend over. But it um, yeah, I think just knowing what you're going to expect makes it. It's a lot easier. I mean, with my first one, and I remember standing up after talking about body shame. I remember standing up after, um you know, one of the first times after I had this C section, and blood just came pouring out. And to me, I was actually mortified that that happened in front of him. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but we'd only been together so long, there was still that shame I think I was carrying in my body. And to have that loss of control and the blood just dropping to the floor, I was so mortified, Yeah. whereas yeah. I think after, you know, we'd been together, that period of time, it was, um, you know, all the bodily functions that happen, all the breastfeeding, you know, everything like that was just so much more natural that I didn't feel the shame associated with my body with Yeah. post-birth. Yeah. yeah, I
0: can relate to that,
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I bet you heaps of people can relate to that too. It's. I, I feel like I've grown with that with my partner. We've only been together four years, but... Yeah. Yeah, that you know, that initial when you first meet you kinda shut the door or you might you know, hear all this sort of funny stuff yeah. and it just grows. And now he's pretty much seeing nearly every bodily function he can from me, so yeah. I've got nothing to
1: like <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just the body shame wasn't as much. Yeah. And that's quite a big thing. Yeah, yeah. It's huge, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. so we can explore that a bit more too later when I talk about the article with you. So Yeah, okay. Let's so then uh, so, yeah, your second birth and, you know, feeling that a bit more supported and finding that little structure and rhythm in your
1: life. And then how long, what was the age gap before you conceived again? Um, well, I only actually had one period, one bleed, and then I conceived the next month. Ooh.
0: So she was,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, so she was um, conceived, I think, when my second child was 13 months. So she was born at 22 months okay yeah 13, 14, whatever that is and she she was born there's twenty two month gap between the second and the third
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah, so that's um that was really interesting i think it was a, it came as quite a surprise i wasn't um um wasn't thinking I was going to have i i think I always thought I'd have three kids, but I wasn't thinking one would come so quickly um and she um she was really it was really interesting, so that Birth with her, I guess I was um so busy with the other two kids that you know there wasn't um that much time to sit down and rest when when I was if I was tired um through the pregnancy. But she was always head down. So something that actually happened between those two is I did a um and actually when I was pregnant with my third, I did a branch of kinesiology um called neural. Um, organizational therapy and what that during that time when I did that course they actually the two of the teachers worked with me and went through my body so what can happen like um, when there's been any trauma or a memory of any trauma is your body um, it's like it's stored in the physiology in your physiology in your cells and so similar situations can kick you back into that trauma Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so like
0: cell memory and... and,
1: Yeah, the cellular memory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so one thing that did happen actually when I was pregnant with my third is these two teachers came and they went through um, doing one of the... It was one of the processes and so they walked me through each step of what it was like, so you get to the hospital and then they were testing a muscle testing and it would go weak and then they would strengthen it up and then, um, then they'd walk me through the next bit and my muscles would go weak again. So it was just showing the effect that it has on the body as I remembered each part of going in for my C-sections, like the hospital, getting the epidural, how I felt. And I do actually feel like that cleared a lot of stress um, and, and emotions that I've been holding my body around it. Um, I think it cleared a lot of that for me, actually, a lot of that pathway for me. And so my third baby... It could it could just have happened, but I really do feel it played a part. My third baby was always head down. She was never, ever um, a breach at all. Yeah. And so I always said that I'd let the baby decide how she wanted to come and she stayed head down. Okay. So that was... And, and s- I, how did that yeah. work
0: in with your care providers and navigating, you know, the system and all that sort of stuff? Were you supported in that
1: choice? By my doctor, I was very much so. The doctor I saw, she was absolutely fantastic with it. Um, when I'd go to the hospital, they'd put um, fear into me and say, you know, if because it was less than two years before my previous season, I'd had to C-section, they said, um, you know, the, you could your uterus could rupture, the baby could die, and you could die, but before we could do anything. And so every time I remember, every time I'd walk out of the hospital, I'd say to Adam am I doing the right thing? And he'd say, just relax, like just breathe. And I'd say and speak to the doctor and she'd say, just keep going with it. And she was actually quite upset about the way it was treated at the hospital um, and, that, that, and the way that they were dealing with it. But um, so I just kept doing that. And I guess I kept checking in with my baby and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what you want me to do and I'm going to let you guide me and what would you like? And she just was always head down. And so that was it. That was it. That that was, uh, to me, she decided how she was going to come and I was going to listen to that. So I feel like I had to fight a little bit. But what happened was because this is, there was a midwife who was working at the hospital and she'd um, heard that I was going to be there and I was going to be having, um, I wanted to have a V-back after two caesareans. And so I found out later that she said, if I'm on when this lady comes in, I want her. And so she 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 had requested <laughs> that she be my midwife. And the funny thing is I turned up at the hospital just after she went on duty and I birthed 10 minutes before she went off.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: I know, that it couldn't have been more that. perfect. <laughs> I know, it was fantastic. And she was just so supportive. There was a doctor who um, came in and um, prepared me for a C-section. And he was um, pretty much just telling me that that was, You know, it was very unlikely that I was going to be able to birth and he was getting me ready for a C-section. And she came in just afterwards and he left the room and she said, no, you can do this. And she held such a strong, beautiful, loving, supportive space for me and very protected. She really protected me in in that process. And I felt safe and um, yeah, and I birthed, felt really honoured. I felt really honoured as a woman. I felt really respected, and I felt like she had belief and trust in me. And I think that was quite a turning point because I don't know if I'd ever fully had that in myself before. So it really helped me to feel that in myself as well, and know that in myself, and meet that part of myself that I can do it. I don't need, um, I don't need to have people do things to my body. I'm actually quite empowered, and I could do it myself. And it was it was such an empowering experience to be able to birth after two C sections, and another doctor came in actually after I birthed, and she said to me, "Do you know this is the first time I've ever um, been present where it's happened, and uh, and someone has wanted to do a VBAC and it's happened?" And she she didn't think I think she then admitted to me she didn't think it was going to happen either. Wow. So it was um. Mm. Yeah, it was fun. It was really um, very empowering. Was that other doctor there? Did he see you birth? No, he no, didn't come. Okay. He didn't come into the room. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of strange. I almost felt like she kept anyone who was going to stress me or anyone um, who was going to bring any negativity into the room away.
0: Yeah, and I believe that too. I don't think. Yeah, that, uh, midwives are pretty tied in the system sometimes with what they can yeah. and can't do. But if you put a lot of that you know, good midwifery, energetic intent into it. Um, yeah. She, that's holding space and she probably, you know, did her
1: superpowers and... I don't know. <laughs> I feel, like, yeah. she, I feel like she stood at the door. Like yeah. I feel yeah. like she was standing at the doorway. Yeah, I bet you. Yeah. With her yeah. energy, yeah.
0: You're listening to the Circle of Birth podcast. Circle of Birth can we just backtrack a bit and
1: what was it like actually going into labor i was very fearful i was very fearful um i think during i had actually contractions um every night for the week leading up to when she was born and then they would stop but it meant that by the time i got to the hospital before i'd really started labor i was actually already four centimeters dilated um, before I really consciously felt that I was in labour and it was staying, like it was consistent um, contractions. So that was really interesting. I was very fearful. And when I got to the hospital at one point, it stopped. The labour stopped. And um, so I went and had a shower and I was speaking to my partner and I knew what it was at the time that was blocking me. And so I had a bit of a talk about that had a bit of a cry and then the labour just went bang and just really came on fast after I, I, guess I, after I released and let go a bit.
0: Wow. And how, how was that? Like I know it's hard when you're in it, but can you sort of try and tap into that and remember during those moments of fear was there this surprising of yourself and like I can do this
1: yeah there was a bit of there was a bit of that I think I've got an incredibly beautiful supportive partner as well and he um he holds a very strong presence with me and as well and so that was really really helpful um and and I think it was um to be honest, as well, there was points in that labour that I left my body, and I had to consciously call myself back into my body during that time. I could feel myself lifting up and out. As you, you know, when there is fear and inhabiting your body, and the fear arises, you do naturally lift up out of your body. You often go to your head or leave, like it's like a head on a stick, and you leave your body. And so I had to keep consciously. I guess calling myself back I also had um, emergency essence which my butt was giving me like every sort of 10 minutes in my water which really helped as well um, but I facing, guess facing the things that I was fearful of really helped rather than moving away so every time I'd go to move away I'd call myself back and really facing it rather than trying to run I guess mm. really helped And how long did the labour go for? Um, I would have got to the hospital probably just after 10 and then it stopped for a little while and she was born. It was actually a a long pushing. I, I did push for a long time, I've got to say. And for some reason I was on my back and it was when I said this, like it didn't work for me. And I went on to all fours and she was born very quickly after that. So she was born before six in the morning. Mm.
0: And the pushing, how did that feel? Was that feeling a bit productive or were you getting excited that it was happening or what was coming up for you at that point? <laughs>
1: I think, um, I, think <laughs> I think, I was like when people were saying, okay, push, and I'm going, I am pushing. Like I thought, <laughs> what do you mean pushing? Are you in my body right now. <laughs> I am pushing. Um, and it was just the position I was in. I, I can't remember why... I was being monitored. I was being monitored because of the potential for my uterus to rupture. So I think that was in some ways limiting the way I could move in, um, when I was labouring. But um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember that frustration, and it just wasn't working. And it's so important to be when you're birthing to be in the position that feels um, the most comfortable for you. And no one can tell you what that position is ever. And I don't think you can guess that even before the day. You've just got to listen to your body and feel what feels right at that very
0: time. that's such a good point, isn't it? And having like, you know, if you had a doula, having someone there to offer different positions or offer different ways of supporting, but just using it out of intuition, not like textbook, you know, all fours. um, Yeah. You know, all that sort of thing. Just seeing how that woman's moving and being like, oh, maybe just try that, you know, and because, you know, you can get stuck in your head sometimes when you're labouring. Absolutely. You just don't know how to k- break out of that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and abs- And no birth is ever textbook. So no, it's, yeah, it's well, always, um, it's and uh, and that's what I guess you learn when you, when you start birthing, isn't it? It's never going to, you're never going to know how it's going to go and you have to learn to just go with the flow of it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yep. Just like life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> So can you just describe that feeling of when she came out and how that was for you guys, for you both too, and your partner? It
1: was, um, I think, it was actually very interesting. He, um, because we thought that I was going to go into the labour the night before, so he hadn't slept so much. He was almost falling asleep while I was birthing at the same time. (laughs) And I think it was, in, in hindsight, I do think he was in a little bit of shock because this was the first time he'd watched that process and i actually feel like it is quite big for men too and i think that they need to have some processing or some support around that as well it's quite a big thing for them to stand and watch their um, partner labor and give birth i think
0: yeah i did a podcast with a man called robin grill Um, yeah yeah he's an author of uh, a few books one of them's heart to heart parenting and we talked about this and he was like you got to give men a fair go they're only new into yeah. this birth space and yeah. he talked about what came up for him during labor as himself like even the noises that women make yep. trigger something into him from his birth maybe like so yeah and we definitely need to be supportive of men and just know that um you know, it's quite horrible how mainstream media, all these movies portray men and you're always telling them to F off and oh, all, no. all that horrible stuff. That. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, but that's what you kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, treat them like crap and blah, 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 blah. Oh, I, um, I
1: think, you know, to watch, um, I think for him, you know, watching me in labour and knowing, you know, watching those contractions and watching me in pain and n- knowing that there was nothing that he could do to help, I think that was quite triggering for him
0: yeah for my partner too we had to sort yeah. of work on that beforehand and knowing that he had to support me but not try and fix it so he was sort of dozing in and out and, yeah. off and yeah. then a little, little bit your little girl <laughs> slid
1: out and yeah and so she, possibly. she was um put on my chest straight away she was a little bit um blue and so they were saying you know you know you know give her a tap and i think i was doing it so gently because i you know they're yeah. so little and yeah. so fragile and so little and she um so they took her from me and gave her a bit of a whack you know on her back just to get her um breathing like in her oxygen going. um and then she was on my chest and um breastfed and it was just um it was it was surreal it was it was incredible it was the first time i guess i'd been through that process even though i'd been a mother um to two children already it was the most the closest like uh, I'd seen the process happen. I guess it wasn't done behind a green curtain. I'd had that contact and that connection with the birth the whole time, and that was a big, um, that was quite different, different experience.
0: Yeah, not to mention, like you said, that sort of part where you had those challenges come up, where you really had to work internally and trust. And both of you were on that journey together and trust yep. that she wanted to come this way and her story as well. And you know, that's yeah. huge too. To
1: and she's her. a fighter. Is <laughs> she? She, yeah. yeah, she's a very, very, very strong-willed, and she's quite a fighter. Sometimes I've got to remind her she doesn't have to fight for things. Like it's okay, and it's interesting because I really had to fight to have the birth for her that way. And she fights a lot in life, and I have to gently and pushes, and I have to just gently remind her she doesn't have to go through life in that way. It doesn't have to be like that. It's okay.
0: So oh, amazing. I mean, birth is birth and
1: yes. you only know what you know. And I guess the thing that was different through them is just the level of connectivity I had to myself and to my pelvic space in each of the births was really reflected in the births that I had.
0: Yeah, so the pelvic work that you do now, which you'll go into um, yeah. soon, was were you doing any of that?
1: When did you start that? In any of these Sorry. pregnancies or...? Not in any of these pregnancies. I did a lot of body work. So when I was um, pregnant with my third daughter, I did um, a kinesiology, a branch of kinesiology, the N.O.T. Which also um, the thing I guess that drew that uh, drew uh, that I was drawn to in that was that we were examining um, hormones, and and I really felt a real calling to that and the way um, hormones can affect uh, women's women and bringing their bodies back into balance with um her, I was doing um, a few branches of kinesiology and body work while I had her and um, when well, I was pregnant with my third daughter. And then between her and my son, I was introduced to the Arvigo techniques of my abdominal therapy, um, sometimes called Arvigo therapy. And um, it just really spoke to me the first time it was mentioned to me it really resonated and i was trying to explore we were living in port douglas and i was trying to explore how i could get down to brisbane to do the first level of the course and i was sitting there cooking one night and i had this um almost like a voice say call andrea andrea lopez is the beautiful woman who teaches um the first level of the course in australia and they said contact her and see she might want to come to port douglas and i did And she did. So I organised a class to be run um, for the self-care class and she flew up to Port Douglas to teach it. So it kind of all really fell into place and flowed from the second that I saw that I wanted to do it. I was introduced to the Avigo techniques of my abdominal therapy and I did my first level when I was... Um, before my son even came, and then I actually did my professional training while I was pregnant with him, which was pretty amazing. Being pregnant with a little boy, my first boy, uh, who I, I didn't know it was a boy at the time, but um, being pregnant and um, doing so much women's work yeah, was was be. amazing. Yeah. yeah, and just <laughs> yeah.
0: Having that journey into there too, like being pregnant with your first and doing the science degree, just like that gradual incline of pulling in all that resources and and it just aligning with your, your journey into motherhood and it just sounds like a beautiful opening for you that kept happening.
1: Yeah and, and I think I'd always, because I'd always wanted to be a mother, that was my um, first um, priority always. So it was like all my work started to weave in at the same time but not too um, fast and not too much so that my concentration was still on um, on my children as well. Yeah, I like that too. And that's really
0: inspiring for people to hear, I think. Because, you know, a lot of the time in our structure, we are told that oh, because you're a mother now that you can't do A, B or C Um, or you can't do this or that. But it's that gentle sort of, you know, you, you don't have to do all the stuff at once and be a mother. You can balance that and make things happen and call things into you when it's needed yeah, and at right. the right time. Yeah,
1: Yeah. And it was it was actually really interesting with my fourth baby. So I did my um, professional training when I was pregnant with him, and um, it was during that time we'd actually moved again. We'd come down back down to far north New South Wales, and I um, conceived him down here on the farm that we were living in at the time, at the property we were living in um, at the time, and. I was actually um, starting to examine the hospitals and explore the hospitals that I could give birth at and I had a conversation with someone who was saying that I'd have to meet with one of the doctors to decide whether I would be able to um, give birth vaginally or whether I'd have to have a C-section and I was so enraged and I was arguing. I thought, I bet they put something on my file like a big, this woman is argumentative, don't speak to her kind of thing at the hospital (laughs) because I just argued. I remember just had I'd felt so empowered by the way i'd given I'd had a V back, and then for someone to even suggest that I could not do that when I had started to occupy my body more i guess and and really um, feel myself and be able to be in my the base of my body and to someone to then even suggest that that might be taken from me in a way that's how I saw it um I was just so angry and really quite distressed and upset. And so um, I actually got, it was funny, I saw that you just interviewed Sunny Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I actually bought, had bought her book and I was oh, reading Sacred you? Birthing. Yeah. yeah, during my birth. And so I was reading that book during my birth and I just got this strong message, don't even know, must have been from the baby, to have a home birth and I had never, ever considered it before. And so um, that was really interesting and I found a private midwife and what I did, I think, through that birth, which I found really helpful, is that any time I read anything in a book or there was a conversation or anything that I felt that a trigger was in my body, I'd write it down. And I had a big list of everything. And then I got a um, big raw balance, which is rekindled ancient wisdom, um, balance around um, those fears. And I also wrote the fears down and burnt them to release them. And that birth was incredible he the midwife turned up when i was about nine centimeters dilated and during the during the contractions adam and i literally danced together we were just holding each other and dancing and swaying and it was the most connected amazing incredible um labor and she came and i remember when my midwife turned up um it was just about an hour before i think i birthed and i remember i you know when the pain comes i ra- uh, like i I went up on my toes and she said to me, she barely talked to me the whole time, she was like a ninja who was just there, and she was so quiet um, and still. And she said to me, You need to have your feet on the ground to birth. And I just <laughs> went, Okay. And it was funny because just, just before she'd actually come, going back a little bit, the labour had Stopped And I was starting to think <clears throat> I was a failure. Why couldn't I do it? What was happening? And I heard this voice, which I think was my baby, and just said, um, just let go, just allow. And it just, I listened and the labour kicked in again, which was um, really interesting. But. Yeah, as the, when the midwife came and she was filling up the birth pool, and because we were on a water tank and the water was just filling up so slowly, and I remember looking at the water, thinking, "Oh my gosh, is are serious?" And the pain, and I got to that point where there was no way I could go to the hospital, and there was no way uh, there was no way that this baby was going to come except for right then and there. And I had, so I had to call myself back into the base of my body and really breathe, and I actually prayed a lot, and I visualized a beautiful golden light coming down through the crown of my head and down into my body and gently um, moving the baby out. And he was born really soon after that. Ah, so did you get the, the pool filled up? The pool, I was in the pool and okay, he... got it filled he, up, yeah. Uh, he, but it wasn't filled up enough for him to be born into okay. the water, but I was kneeling in the water and he came.
0: Wow, and how, like... Again, I know it's really hard to describe in words those feelings, but what was it like just pulling, did you pull him up or did your partner pull him no, or the, midwife?
1: The, or? He um, was up with my head and stroking my head and I was on all fours and so the midwife got, took him out and I turned around. And do you know what? He, he smiled. At, he looked at my partner and he smiled. And my partner said, oh, it was probably just wind. And my midwife said, no, it wasn't. It was, it was insane. He, he had complete contact with my partner's eyes and it was a smile. I he love that himself.
0: midwife. That's so oh, it was amazing. <laughs> so many people that I, ah, I get really like cranky when people go, no, nah, it's just wind. And I'm like, no, that's like. No, he
1: smiled. <laughs> he smiled. He smiled. He locked eyes with my partner and he smiled. Oh and my gosh. It was it was amazing. Oh, dear.
0: And you didn't. when did you find out it was a boy? Like, did you not know for a while and think to check or did you check straight away? Or?
1: Um, no, it was a few moments and then I looked and went, oh, my gosh, and, yeah, we had... Um, uh, he was a little boy. I did have a feeling he was when I was pregnant with him. But, um, yeah, he was... Yeah, he was just gorgeous and so we had he was born at night time so we just had it was interesting actually our animals stayed away and as soon as he was born our dog and our cat came into the room and (laughs) sort of looked over to have a little bit of a look and um and yeah he was born so we had the night just the three of us and then we called the girls the next morning and told them that they had a little brother so they were absolutely thrilled wow and how was
0: it um you know being at home to that sort of knowing you could go to bed and stuff like that
1: it was so lovely it was um you know it was a dark room we had just a little lamp on um it was very intimate and i remember after i birthed, thinking thinking i could do anything in the world now i felt so empowered my energy felt so big and i felt like i'd come home in my body i feel i feel like so much of my life and as i birthed all my kids, it was like my, I came back more into my body. But I'd spent so much of my life outside of my body and each birth called me close, more into my body. And I guess that fourth birth was just uh, I fully um, occupied my space, my pelvic space, reclaimed my body as a woman and it was just very empowering. Mm,
0: wow. Oh, that was beautiful just listening to that. Um, yeah. Well. In terms of like recovery or you know supporting yourself through that life with four now, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how was that? Was really? it you know did you did you sort of scar sensations come back again from the previous ces- cesarean? No, or?
1: no, not at all, not at all. Um, what was it like? We had a lot of like a lot of people came and brought us meals, and there was a lot of support in that way. Um, yeah, there was a lot of more support. My eldest was twelve at the time too, so she was able to. Um, she helped out um, a lot more, and so did the other girls. They were quite interested. We had a lotus birth actually with him too, which was really beautiful and fun. It be. It's so, it sounds so strange, but it was the first time I'd seen the placenta.
0: Oh right, yeah.
1: Yeah, How and then that? Oh, it was real. It was absolutely fascinating. So kept in your science. Side of I know too. it was so fascinating <laughs> and so that's um we actually planted that on his first birthday it's planted under a um but yeah we bought a beautiful plant and it's planted in a pot mm. and he knows that's his plant well, that's a nice <laughs> full
0: circle thing too isn't it
1: like oh uh, yeah it was yeah yeah very much so did you dissect very it <laughs> no just <laughs> you get your little dissection kit out <laughs> no but the kids kept saying oh it's, it's gross mom they didn't want it uh, you know attached <laughs> his belly and it was he was also the first one adam had cut all the other um cords and i cut his after i think it was four days or something it was only you know it was starting to dry and pull a little bit so we did cut it then and um i i cut that and it was very different it was really interesting and feels quite um important i think that i did that with my son
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah I think I cried after I did. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's really interesting too.
0: Sometimes, again, we feel that the partners always should have to do that, or but sometimes maybe the mum wants to do it.
1: That's yeah, okay. well, it was the hospital. <laughs> always just did. I didn't even know when it was happening. It just happened. It just yeah. happened, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow, what a what a journey. This I can't wait to share this because it's inspiring on so many levels. Um <laughs> but Yeah, yeah, definitely because I just love that this is why I do this show because I love the transformative nature of birth. Um yeah. and yeah, you know that transition into mothering and how you can grow from that and all the beautiful things that you can become aware of and then do in your life and then um You know, then here you are, and and you're sharing this with me, and it's just, yeah, I love
1: it. It was pretty amazing, and it it really did. um, All the kids then took me on my journey to the work that I do now, which is, um, which is so fascinating. I guess I journeyed that in myself, and and um, and now I work with women in that area. So it's, um,
0: yeah. So let's talk about that—the work that you do with. with women, and we talked about the Maya abdominal therapy. Uh, Yep. Could you just give us a little description of what that is? What would that look like for someone lining up to see you?
1: Yeah, so it's an external non-invasive massage that it gently um, works on guiding the uterus and the internal organs back to their optimum position so that you've got the optimum blood flow to and from that area, um, lymphatic drainage and energy. Okay, so, and yeah. When would you
0: get that done? Like, is there any so, right time, or
1: is it? Um, so after birth, it's fantastic to um, bring uh, the body back into alignment. I guess, um, for women who are having fertility challenges as well, um, that is really helpful in that way. And um, to for health for anyone who's experiencing, I guess, fibroids, endometriosis. Um, It helps to break up scar tissue from C-sections, hysterectomies. If there's been any surgery at all, um, scar tissue can start to pull, actually, the organs out of alignment. So it helps to break that up. Um, And it's also, and with this work, it is also um, around digestion as well. So it it improves the digestive function. So it's also, while it's working on the physical, it's also actually working um, on the the emotional level because we store a lot of tension and stress in um, the abdomen especially um, and the pelvic area and it's also working i guess on there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh, of prayer and herbs involved as well in the therapy which is really quite special and beautiful as well Mm.
0: and um is there other like i'll put links on for this podcast but is there somewhere to link where people could find this anywhere in Australia, or
1: is it yeah? Forgotten? So there's um, it's growing in Australia yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's really growing in Australia. It's huge in America. Um, but um, it is all over the world. So there is a if you go to com and then there's a section where you'd find a practitioner, and you'd put you know request Australia, and then the area in Australia, and there's a whole lot of practitioners listed on that site.
0: Okay. I'll link that on the show notes for everyone to see. Yeah. And just touch briefly on Tammy Lynn Kent and her work with the pelvis. Um I, yeah. I'm just so intrigued by it. I did a podcast with Jenny Blythe. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to get her back and talk just purely about the pelvis too because yeah. I just <laughs> find it so <laughs> fascinating. And Yeah. What, what, I, mean, I mean, Tammy's work's amazing. So what... How how did you connect with her and her work and what you're doing
1: now? So I think um, really coming into my pelvis and my energy really inhabiting my body and feeling so grounded, um, that was the calling for me to do this work. So I'd heard about her. A friend of mine had told me about her book and I'd read it and it really resonated. And then actually after I birthed my son, I looked into and heard that she was going to come to Australia to teach, which didn't actually happen at the time but she did a friend of mine and myself organise that for her.
0: What would it look like for someone, again, walking into you for that? What would that generally look like?
1: I guess anyone who wants to um, connect more deeply with the root of their body, um, someone who may be on a physical level, um, has given birth and their pelvic floor might not be feeling um, so strong. So when there's imbalances in the pelvic floor, when... Tammy says that if you're doing Kegel exercises, then it can actually strengthen the imbalances as well. So you want to get that aligned so that you'd be doing the internal part of the work. So holistic pelvic care um, works internally um, as well as um, on, you know, a lot of guided breath and visualisations and energy work as well. So it it, um, works with both aspects. Yeah, And and
0: so how do people, you know, sometimes, like you just see pelvis, right? And you're like, well, it's a pelvis. Yeah yeah how do you um, get that understanding beyond that really getting you know deep into that pelvic space and understanding that emotional connection as a woman and as a person
1: Yeah. yeah well i guess if you think about it with holistic medicine when they talk about the primary blockages in the body they're thought to be energetic and the um and that's what's believed to cause the physical symptoms that's how they believe it and Dr. Rosita Avigo says your issues are in your tissues, and I think that's perfect. Right. I think that really explains what's going on there. And as everyone, as we we're discussing earlier, everyone has cellular memory, so you know of events and um, experiences, both positive and negative. And I guess when you're talking about the pelvic bowl um, and the pelvis, a lot of that might be the way that we see ourselves as a woman and our feminine selves. Um, anything that has gone on in that region of the body, whether it's um, Abuse of any sort or um, or you know our attitudes towards just say our menstrual cycles and the how we feel around that or um, our body issues or yeah, ourselves as, as a woman and our feminine selves.
0: Talk about the article, which you can get a copy of your article through your website, so obviously yes, I'll link to your correct. website. It's about shame. There's probably lots of people, and I myself can relate to shame in the body and starting yes. from our menarch or our menstruation. Can you just walk us through that information there and how that yes. looks and in your work too?
1: Well, when there's, when there's shame, I guess... Um, we try so hard to avoid the parts in our lives that we feel shameful about, whether it's our physical body, whether it's um, you know challenges with fertility, whether it's something that we've done. I think there's a healthy level of shame, but when it's toxic shame and it's, I guess we do start to block and um, it affects our self-worth and it, it blocks us in our energy and our life and we'll do anything often to avoid that. So, if just say um, something like menstruation, if I talk about menstruation, some people, um, some women feel um, very disconnected, I guess, from their bodies or feel very shameful about even the fact that their um, womb is releasing the blood each month and they want to hide it, whether it's, you know, hiding with tampons um, and, you know, shoving them up and having that disconnection, I guess, between um, yourself and what's actually happening in your body, or some people, you know, that fear of being out of control and blood, you know, maybe um, leaking everywhere, and some pe- some people feel very shameful and scared of that happening. So it, as that happens, if you can imagine, you kind of move out of your pelvic space and you move up and out of your body, and that forms a disconnection between yourself and your you and your feminine nature or your pelvic space. Does that answer what you yeah, mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then that's yeah.
0: where the triggers come from, you know, which leads into our lives and how we are as ourselves, um, discovering, and, you know, that shame. Um, and it, it doesn't help with, like, say, you know, our marketing around <laughs> our menstruation <laughs> does not help. No, with. that's right. It's like right, they've utilised that shame and just marketed it to... Even further entrench it into us that it's wrong. Yeah, I'm just reading here too um, the quote that you have put in the article from Bren. Is it Bri? Brienne. Bri- 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 uh, Bri- yeah, Brown. Yeah, Bri- Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah. Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah. Brown. For shame to grow, it needs secret secrecy. Secre- I can't say that word. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I'll start again. <laughs> For shame to grow, it needs secrecy, silence, and judgment. And then, and and then here's another thing that I liked about what you've written of what you can do. It's yeah. focus on building love and respect for yourself despite what's going on around you. This yeah. is where you'll find your strength and power and feelings of shame will diminish. Yeah,
1: It's definitely. And I think <laughs> also just um, really coming into your body, calling your energy into your body, really feeling um, and getting a sense of your pelvic space and your legs on the ground and grounding really helps to build that strength because our natural thing when we're anxious or when we're triggered in any way is to move up and out of our body. And it's actually quite amazing in the work I do. You know, um, when you say to someone, I have, you know, have my hands on their body and calling their energy in and into their pelvic space, and some people have no concept of that connection there at all. They've lived, they live a lot in their heads and try and avoid that space and avoid, um, I guess, that connection so much that they, when they're called to that, they actually do not know what it feels like
0: yeah uh yeah definitely yeah yeah and that's why we need to you know look at this we're all in this together and to support each other through that yep. yeah yeah uh, that's right yeah it's just been such a pleasure to listen to your journeys and listen to all the intertwining that's come in with that and the lessons and the gifts that you've had and it was just such a beautiful time to spend with you and thank you so much for speaking with me can you tell me where people can find you and your website
1: okay. so my, um, my website is www.thenurturedwomb.com.au and um, I live in far north New South Wales and so I work from a clinic in Brunswick Heads at the moment um, and yes yeah, so you can read a little bit more about the modalities that I do on my website and always email me if you want any further information
0: mm, and you go to your website and then click on media and you can get those articles too there's a few yes. that you've written and then there's a um podcast that you did with like my favorite podcast pregnancy birth and beyond show i love that, show uh, yeah. that yeah
1: oh well, i did that with Anna Lee, and she's absolutely beautiful yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i see that one yeah. only went for 28 minutes and ours has gone for like <laughs>
0: An hour and 35. <laughs> I don't That's know how awesome. people do it. Like, all my podcasts go for over an hour, and I love it. It's good. Like, the feedback I get people are like, Yeah, well, I stop and start as I need, you know,
1: um, yeah. which is really good. I, th- so. I think I'm with them because it was on the radio and it was live, so they have to, you That's know, to play the on. ads, and yeah. they only have a certain amount of time that they can speak for. Yeah, so I'd we be to that. Gig for sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, thanks right. so much.
0: That's okay. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Did this episode tickle your heart, move and rattle you in its wisdom? I hope you resonated with the show. Please head over to the website, circleofbirth.com, for show notes, including my personalised take on the episode pictures, resources and how you can connect with a storyteller. Sign up to the newsletter and most importantly please help this show grow to its full potential of serving you in its ancient wisdom Donations made easy via PayPal. All donations will be received with love Head to circleofbirth.com slash donate And yes, I'd love an iTunes rating This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project We breathe, we birth we become. We honor you and empower you.